Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? going to be put in the tomb. Maybe it's talking about he's going to be put in the earth. Maybe it's talking about a lowly person. But I tell you, there's, have I told you, God's word's deeper than you can ever go. Understand the word used here <laughs> in Psalm 22, 6. This word for worm is the toleth in Hebrew. It's known as the crimson grub or the scarlet worm. It's the very worm they would grind up to make this red dye. It's the color of blood. And they would dip the wool garments, baptizo, they would dip them in, and they would become permanently dyed red, scarlet, crimson. It's so powerful. I'm a worm and not a man. But it goes even deeper. This is so profound. Let me read to you some things about the crimson grub, about the scarlet worm. Usually in the Bible, the Hebrew word for worm is rima, which means a maggot. But the Hebrew word used here for worm is toloth, which means crimson grub or scarlet worm. Of course, both scarlet and crimson are the colors of blood, deep red. The crimson worm, cocos elidius, the toloth is a very special worm that looks more like a grub than a worm. But understand this. Listen to this. This is the word the Lord chose to use to describe himself. When it is time for the worm to reproduce, which it does only once in its lifetime, it finds a tree and crawls to the very top of a tree or a wooden fence post or a stick. It then attaches its body to that wood and makes a hard crimson shell. It is so strongly and permanently stuck to the wood that the shell can never be removed without tearing its body completely apart. This crimson grub, it crawls to the very top of a tree, to the very top of the wood, of the branch, of the stick. The crimson worm then lays eggs under its body and the protective shell. And when the baby worms or larvae hatch, they stay under the shell. Not only does the body give protection for the babies, but it also provides them with nourishment, with food, for the babies feed off of the living body. And he is the bread that came down from heaven. But understand this, after just a few days, when the young worms grow to the point that they're able to take care of themselves, the toleth then dies. As it does, it oozes a crimson or scarlet red dye, which not only stains the wood it's attached to, but also the young children, and they are colored scarlet for the rest of their lives. But wait, (laughs) you think I'm done? After three days, oh, three days. After three days, the dead crimson worm's body loses its crimson color and it turns into white wax, which falls to the ground like snow. Look it up. (laughs) Test all things. Hold fast to what is true. And I'm, whenever I study this out, this is what happened when I saw this coincidence in scripture. It just blew my mind. 
But this is so amazing because I always think of Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Five words in scripture. But I am a worm. Dive in. You'll never reach the bottom. We then read that Jesus cries out. We then read that Jesus cries out, and he's crying out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, and they think he's crying out for Elijah, Eli. And so Mark 15, 35 through 36, they're just going to continue to mock him. Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. They're not being sincere. They're mocking the Lord. They're just continue to mock him. Because they know Elijah's going to come before the Messiah, and they're mocking Jesus because he's being killed, he's being crucified. And we know his mouth was severely dry, so it was hard for him to talk. In, in John's Gospel, in chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus declares, I thirst. And then they grab this sponge full of the sour wine again, and they shove it in his face. Then something beautiful happens. Because this is the moment that Jesus utters the most amazing word. It's three words in English, but it's the most amazing declaration for all of us. Because we know in this final moment, Jesus is going to cry out, It is finished. Tetelestai in the Greek. It's an accounting term, and it means all accounts paid for. The blood of Christ is sufficient. It's all sufficient. The death on the cross is sufficient to forgive us of every sin we have ever committed or ever will commit. And compound that by the billions of people who have already lived and by the billions of people who will still live. And think about Eloi, Eloi, Elama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? You think about that because he took the sin of billions and billions and billions of us upon himself in that moment. We cannot comprehend. And I love this. In, in Mark 15, 37, it describes it this way. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed this last. And Pastor John Corson wrote this. He says, Jesus' cry was compromised of the three greatest words spoken in human history. It is finished. From the day of his birth until the day he died, the enemy came against Jesus relentlessly, trying to derail him, to destroy him, to keep him from providing salvation. But the enemy failed when Jesus finished the work of redemption on Calvary. Thus, his cry was not a cry of agony, but of victory. And another pastor wrote this, the death of Jesus on the cross was and is the ultimate demonstration of God's love towards all mankind. It is the power of God unto salvation, though it seems foolish to those who reject it. At the cross, Jesus wiped out our record of sin and rebellion against God, nailing it to the cross. If Jesus had not endured the cross, it might be said that there is a limit to God's love, that there was something God could have done but was unwilling to do it in order to demonstrate his love for man. But we know he did it. And know at this very moment, as darkness was still on the land, the earth began to shake and the veil of the temple was torn in two. This is my last point here, but we read in Matthew 27, 51, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And so we read in Mark 15, 38 through 39, that as this happened, <laughs> there's a centurion that becomes an instant believer. 
And I think that would probably happen to me too. What about you? Mark 15, 38 through 39, then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. And I don't want to just read past the veil being torn because do you know what that means for you and me? By the way, it says the veil was torn. It didn't say it tore. Understand, it was torn, which means someone or something had to tear it. Understand that the veil of the temple is over 60 feet tall. It's over 30 feet wide. It's over six inches thick. It took over 350 priests more than two months to hang this thing with scaffolding and all of these things. This was no little veil. (laughs) This was massive. And yet we know in one moment it was torn And we know what direction it came from. It came from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. God did this. God tore the veil for you and me so that we could recognize he would no longer dwell in temples built by hands. But he would dwell in the temple of our body. We would become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We would be born again and filled with his spirit because we have been cleansed By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, he cleansed us of unrighteousness, he gave us a way back home, and he tore the veil to prove it. And history even declares, Josephus talks about how even the menorah in the temple, the middle light, immediately went out when this veil was torn. The Talmud even talks about the gates of the temple that were always open day and night, that somehow, in some way, when this happened, they closed abruptly. As if to say, business closed. But the veil was torn to say, but now you're open. You can come boldly to the throne room of grace. This is such a powerful thing. It's powerful. And we know the centurion became a Christian and he believed on the Lord. But this was prophecy too because Jesus said this in John 12, 32 through 33. And if I am lifted up from the earth, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself Then he said, signifying by what death he would die. If the Lord is raised up, if the shepherd is raised up on the cross, on the hill called Golgotha, people will draw unto him. And I just want to ask you today, in light of all of this, in light of the teaching of the cross, in the light of the centurion, where are you at today? And as we get ready to prepare ourselves for communion, let us examine our own hearts Because we know this is what the Bible declares for each one of us to do. But where are you today? Do you understand what the Lord did for you personally? It's the greatest day in human history. Do you deny the Lord by the way you live? Do you glorify Him in what you do? Only you know, and the Lord knows. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the mountain, the hill called Golgotha, this place called Calvary, where we know the Father led the Son up that hill with the wood on his back to become a burnt offering for all of us, Lord. Let us be a thankful people and let our lives show it. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m.
For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.